Well, welcome. I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, for those of you who are visiting, uh, glad you're here too. Um, we're spending this quarter studying the idea of stewardship. And uh, various points, we've, we've highlighted that uh, probably three main areas of focus throughout this quarter study will be stewardship of our uh, treasure, stewardship of our time, stewardship of our talents. And so... Uh, Today, we're going to be uh, kind of continuing a, uh, uh, a study in the area of finances, but today will be a little bit different because we're going to take a look at uh, teachings and uh, instruction from Solomon. So, when you think of Solomon, interesting to see what you think. What first comes, what do you think of? What, when you think of Solomon, you're reminded of what? Wisdom and wives. Wisdom and wives. Okay. What else? What did you say? Wealth. And wealth. Oh, we got any, any more? Any more W's? <laughs> Wisdom, wives, wealth. Okay. Yes. He was the wisest because God had blessed him with wisdom and great understanding. First uh, Kings four tells us. Uh, but not only did God bless him with great wisdom, God blessed him with great wealth as well. First Kings 10 kind of has a summary of all that, that Solomon had. So as a result, Solomon has a lot to say about wealth, about poverty, about finances, and about possessions. Um, so you, and then arguably he, was, he would be someone that we should listen to then about these particular matters. When I was in school uh, at Purdue, for the first three semesters, I lived at a place called Fairway Co-op. And it was a house of about 30-some guys. And it was dubbed a Christian co-op. And they had rules that we had to follow, which were good. Uh, certain restrictions that were positive. And uh, most of the guys there had, a, had some sort of a faith in Jesus, which again was a good thing. There were Bible studies in the house. Um, and we had a house verse. It was this. the uh, New King James Version. We, we, our, our version was just the King James. Uh, but wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. What does this say to you? This, this, is, this is straight from, <laughs> from God through Solomon. And uh, what does this say to you? As you think about that, why might that be good for some young guys just starting college? <laughs> Micah. When you're 
out of your parents' house, there are so many things that may be alluring that you may want to seek. Yeah. And so what is, what is really of value is yeah. wisdom. Yeah. Seeking wisdom. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's not just like the accumulation of wise sayings, um, like the accumulative of knowledge, of wisdom knowledge, but also understanding it and letting it seep into your bones and yeah. become part of you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think those two, two things together, you know, uh, make the acquiring of wisdom, the seeking of wisdom, the pursuit of wisdom a priority, and then make it, uh, use it in your life. That. That now we we can't argue that Solomon had wisdom. In fact, he was the wisest man on the earth, but he didn't always act like it. Didn't always use it. And I think we can all look at our own lives and say, "Well, I knew better. I knew I had an insight and understanding from God, and but did I choose that or not?" And so, uh, hopefully, then the text that we're going to look at uh, this morning uh, related to uh, finances related to possessions, related to the concepts of wealth or poverty will be helpful to us uh, as we live our lives to, to bring glory to God. So, uh, with that, Tony, would you lead us? Father, we're grateful for a day to, to come and to th- consider the things that you continue to bless us with and how we go about using them for your glorification, for our own benefit and enjoyment. And the realization that sometimes those, those endeavors are, are vain. And we pray, Lord, that, um, that you'll give us some wisdom on how to, how to uh, deftly pursue your purposes, but also how to, how to be beneficial to, to one another, to ourselves, but also that we're not getting ourselves wrapped up in things we probably shouldn't be. But uh, it's hard to know sometimes. It's hard to know in the best way. We pray for your guidance and however best the way you you tend to to relay those things to us, whether through written word or people in our way, new things that we hear or see. Please, Lord, speak to us and tell us how best to use our money and time. Thank you for today, for an opportunity to voice those things, to consider all that you have said uh, through your son Solomon. And we appreciate uh, his wisdom that you gave to him. We pray, Lord, that we will glean as much as we can, knowing that it's truly from you. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Well, if you have the, uh, if you have the assignment sheet for today, uh, please have it handy. If you don't, find another piece of paper, please. And I want you to write out, I want you to write out these two verses. From memory. Uh, those of you who are new to class, uh, maybe maybe you can do this. Uh, if you can, fine. If not, you might want to just look those up and refresh yourself. We've been working on those a little bit in class, so if you can just write out those those uh, scripture texts uh, rather than calling on somebody in a different way of reinforcing these in our minds.
Galatians 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Second uh, Corinthians 5 and verse 9. Who's got that? Who's got that? Uh, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. Very nice. Make it our aim. We, got, we want to be pleasing to God. That's the goal. Uh, and that is our aim. That is our goal. That is our purpose. Uh, that is our uh, ambition, uh, another version says. So we want to please God in all that we do, uh, especially as we strive to be good stewards before Him. Okay, if you'll open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes, we'll start in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And let's see what, uh, what wisdom Solomon has for us and uh, see what we find here specifically around uh, things like possessions and money and so forth. Ephesians 2. Jesse, would you read verses 1 through 11? I thought to myself, come now. I will try self-indulgent pleasure to see if it is worthwhile. But I found that it is also futile. I said of partying, it is folly, and of self-indulgent pleasure, it accomplishes nothing. I thought deeply about the effects of indulging myself with wine. All the while, my mind was guiding me with wisdom, and the effects of behaving foolishly, so that I might discover what is profitable for people to do on earth during the few days of their lives. I increased my possessions. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I designed royal gardens and parks for myself. And I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I constructed pools of water for myself to irrigate my grove of flourishing trees. I purchased uh, male and female slaves. And I owned slaves who were born in my house. I also possessed more livestock, both herds and flocks, than any of my predecessors in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself, as well as valuable treasures taken from kingdoms and provinces. I acquired male singers and female singers for myself, and what gives a man sensual delight, a harem of beautiful concubines. So I was far wealthier than all my predecessors in Jerusalem, yet I maintained my objectivity. I did not restrain myself from getting whatever I wanted. I did not deny myself anything that would bring me pleasure, so all my accomplishments gave me joy. This was my reward for all my effort. Yet, when I reflected on everything I had accomplished, and all the effort that I had expended to accomplish it, I concluded, all these achievements and possessions are ultimately profitless. Like chasing the wind, there is nothing gained from them on earth. A grand search for happiness. And uh, we should underline in bold, grand. <laughs> What, what do we see? What, it, what, what areas, uh, what categories of, of pursuit did Solomon have as you read down through that? What about verse 2? What was his pursuit, maybe? How would you characterize his pursuit in verse 2? Laughter and pleasure. Yeah, he went to comedy night, you know, and uh, all the time. So, you know, laughter, pleasure, humor. Verse 3. Wine. Wine. Drinking. Uh, verses 4 down through verse uh, 6 or so. Things. Yeah. Things. Yeah. 
things, yeah. Building home improvement. Home projects, man. <laughs> he was a DIYer, no doubt. Um, and maybe you would throw in with that uh, verse 7. What do you see there? Maybe, maybe to go on with that. Possessions. Verse 8. Money. And? Singers. Music. <laughs> yeah. Entertainment. Yes. And sex. I mean, he, he, he had all many concubines. So, and... and and what, Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Then. Well, you know, just, just in a sense, in a sense. Um, but verse nine. I don't know if this is intended to be tongue in cheek or or <laughs> why. How do you how do you see the end of verse nine? <laughs> Someone said it this way, and I don't know if this is right or not. But they said uh, Solomon could say, "I was performing a controlled experiment." <laughs> Yes, Jesse. I think it is interesting. Like a lot of times, people go down this path; they're letting those desires lead them. Mm-hmm. Right? And in a way, I mean, he did, but he also set out with maybe a, a purpose prior to yeah. that in saying, "Well, sure, this is a controlled experiment." Yeah. But um, I'm sure he was still led by, uh, <laughs> by yeah. the appetite. Yeah, yeah, Bob. <clears throat> well, he's he's summing up life. It seems like, and this would have taken place over a long period of time. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we can look back in our own lives and uh, say, I, you know, I tried this way back there and this after that and that didn't work. And uh-huh. later on, we read that in nine verses all of a sudden like he's doing all this at one time. Right. And uh, it seemed like he would not have time to do all this at one time. So. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. This is no doubt a reflection looking back uh, on his life over some period of time. Conclusion of the whole matter? What does he say? Profitless vanity. Yes, he he considered verse eleven all that his hands had done and the labor. My version reads the the labor which he had exerted. Uh, I do want to pull this up. Yeah, what I had toiled to achieve and everything was vanity, it was profitless, it was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. So, con- yes, Karen. Solomon puzzles me a little bit because with all that wisdom, he still fell into some pretty big mistakes. Oh my. Um, so could this be? I don't. I don't know exactly what point to make, but could this be talking more about the idea that even with all that wisdom, that's not in and of itself going to get you out of making, pursuing the world, or making mistakes, or something like that? I think that's exactly true, and I think that's why. I think that's why this this uh, somewhat some level of application. It is so critical that it's you know you may be a very you may be able to dispense a lot of wisdom out, but you know that whole do as I say, not as I do. You know I may know better, but am I truly living that? Is that influencing the way that I live? And that 
as I reflect on that, that may require not only my asking God to help with that, but it may require me coming to one of you and saying, what do you see in my life? Uh, can you can you help me? Well, to assume though that everything, all the wisdom that Solomon had was magically just dispensed to him at one moment, uh, <clears throat> but maybe even through these things, he's he's giving us wisdom yeah. without us even having to begin to pursue these things and having to find out for ourselves that this is what he did. Um, that. Well, it was a proven ground for the rest of us, and, yeah. and so his wisdom maybe was gained through uh-huh. some of these things. Uh, thank you. I, I tend to agree quite a bit with the idea, like I read this in Proverbs and things like that, and yet we still find ourselves in those situations. And I, I think the value is that foundational concept of, Hey, I was right. The Bible, God was right the whole time. And yes, yeah. you can go off and like figure these things out for yourself, but you'll always come back to the wisdom that God was absolutely correct the entire time. Yeah, Because it makes me think of Paul, too, when he said, there's a part of me that wants to do what is not right, you know, and I live in this body of death. You know, who's going to save me from that? So individuals that had face-to-face conversations with you know, God incarnate still mm-hmm. struggle with stuff. And yeah. I think that, I, like Tony, like part of me is a lot of this stuff tends to have to come through experience. This is a foundational thing so that you know God was always talking about the right thing when you when you figure it out, like the prodigal son, I guess. Mm-hmm. Andrew? <clears throat> I, I tend to think that, um, at least talking to people, they always say, I just need a second house, I need a summer house, or... I need that super sports car to put in my garage to drive only on the most perfect of days. And if anybody could have accomplished getting that that number, that financial number, I need this many zeros in my bank account, this many cars, this many houses, Solomon could do all of that. And he's saying, I did it. So he's pointing to that vanity. And it's one of those things where it's like, even for me to check myself and say, do I really need that right now? Do I need to put myself in a bad situation? You know, Solomon's the example to say, you don't need it, you can wait or make a better decision. Yeah. Whether at, whether at home or away, we make it our goal to please him. How are these things going to help me in my eternal pursuits? And that's what I have to be brought back to. Is like, hold it. I'm not living for the moment. I'm not living for the next X number of years. I'm living for eternity. How is this really going to help me? Or is it going to, looking back on it, say, wow, what futility, what meaningless, what profitlessness? Joy. Um, I agree with everything that's been said, but don't you think that uh, after Solomon accumulated all this, it's easier to say Mm -hmm. it's vanity Mm -hmm. because I've still got it Mm -hmm. than some of the poor people in his kingdom who maybe didn't even have a roof over their head and can say money wouldn't make me happy. But I just think if you've got it, it's Mm -hmm. easier to say it doesn't mean anything than Mm -hmm. if you don't have it. It is true. That That is so true. And then I think of all that Solomon did, kind of in one way looking at it for him, and could he have been helpful 
to those subjects in the kingdom, and I'm thinking, wow, to to a large extent. Yeah. So then again, rather than pursuing the things that Andrew talked about, how can I be a blessing to others? And how will I look back on that? Well, look back on that and say, oh, that was meaningless. No. Yeah, and it was actually Solomon's economic choices that actually split the kingdom apart. That was the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Jeroboam and Rehoboam right. Right. Good point. So we have to be mindful of what am I doing to acquire wealth? I could actually be harming a lot of mm-hmm. other people. These are the very things that we look on social media and, and they're put in front of us as the like what we should accomplish, all mm-hmm. of these things, right? So there is a lure, there's a pull, mm-hmm. an influence for us to do exactly what Solomon did. Yeah. And back to Joy's point, you know, anybody who's lived for uh, some period of time and is able then to look back, you can kind of, whether you have a lot or little, I think it's easy to, to make the same conclusions that Solomon did. And, uh, you know, what, what was the ultimate meaning of all of this? We say, if only I had a bl- if only I had blank, then I'd be happy, right? Unfortunately, we end up just chasing blanks, emptiness, meaningless, profit, no profit. Um, I don't want to take us too far yes. aside, but last night we were watching um, a gluey show that the kids like and they were talking about we're content with what we have until we see what someone else has and then we want that so I stopped it because I wasn't sure they were fully understanding Uh, the joke that they were trying to make and um, as we were talking about it um, Avery said it's kind of like you're climbing down a mountain but you never get to the bottom and I thought that's really insightful you're climbing down a mountain you're ready like you're putting in all this effort yeah. just to get to the end and go, whew, I made yeah. it, I did it. And you never get there. Yeah. You're always, so that image was in my mind this morning as we were um, getting ready, just thinking, yeah, I, I can just keep going down that mountain, but I'm never going to get there. Or maybe you're going up the mountain and you never see the summit, or I don't know. Yeah. But, um, it's an interesting way of looking at wealth, I think. Absolutely. Thanks for that. And you know, yeah, I think we need to be careful too. This is not meant to be a downer. You know, it's not meant to. Oh, you you just can't enjoy life. No, God meant for us to enjoy what He has given us. He's given it to us for that purpose. But how do I how do I find that balance? The balance of enjoying what He's given me, and yet not just wanting more and more. And the journey never ends. I never get to really enjoy it. And so I think that's part of what Solomon's helping us with here. Anything else? If we don't make it through all of these, that's fine. This was something I saw on Facebook, and I'll probably screw up the quoting of it, but it was like, just because you are content with what you with a little doesn't mean you only deserve the bare necessities. So, I mean, you can be content with just a little bit, but it's still okay to have more than just the minimum yeah. that you need yeah. to survive. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Now I'm going to pick on something you said, though, and thanks for sharing that. 
the whole concept of deserving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be careful. We got to be careful there. Yeah. <laughs> I had a I had a family member that was prone, you know, over more than once, uh, told me at various stages, you know, oh, you you deserve that. <laughs> I don't know. That just didn't feel right. Because uh, I don't know that I do deserve anything, really. Yes, Andrew. I think the, the conclusion of this, for me at least, is in verse 18. I hate all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. Mm. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all of which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This is also vanity. And so... Um, on Thursday, I went to a run, domestic situation, and at 5 a.m., this guy was building this uh, brick or stone retaining wall at 5 a.m. because he got into an argument with his wife, and they're in the middle of a divorce, and he's putting all this effort into making this property immaculate. And it was, it was a beautiful property, but knowing that they were in the middle of a divorce, we even told them, like, the two of you need to figure this out because you're going to sell this whole thing, and now neither of you get it. And you have this little oasis of property, and so that that when I was reading through this, that's what I thought of was that run I went to on Thursday. Yeah. You know, you put all this effort into all this stuff. You're putting all of this time and sweat and blood, tears, right? And ultimately, it's going to be someone else's, and so that's the focus is eternal as opposed to right now. Yeah. Enjoy it while you got it, but it's not yours in the long. Thank you. Being good stewards, Bob. Uh, just when we read Psalm, it's 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 easy for us to look at it and say, "Boy, did he mess up!" You know, for a man who was so in, smart, yeah. he had the greatest measure of wisdom. And if we can just read this and take counsel from him, mm-hmm. you know, that's why it's here. It is. It he's is counseling us by his own poor <clears throat> choices, uh, and uh, he's expecting us to listen and and. <clears throat> yeah, and this this may not be anything that's going to be a. You know, a huge major course correction in your life, but maybe it's just that little bit of nudging that you need. You know, next time you're given an opportunity, given a chance to make a choice, you know, let this let this reside and influence the, the decisions that we make. And in the end, not only will we be drawn closer to God, but we'll enjoy this life more to the full. Yet it's counter to what we uh, see and experience almost every day. You probably saw, if you've read anything in the news here in the last couple, three days, the uh, whatever they call it, Powerball Lottery. What was the number? $1.3 billion. Taken in a lump sum, I saw $780 million. And there was taxes. (laughs) (laughs) One winner from from Illinois who has not stepped forward yet. That's even more taxes. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, we're tempted. I'm tempted to look at that and think, oh man, maybe put my altruistic side on you. Wow, what good I could do with all of that. And most of them end up bankrupt. Yes. Quickly. And life is a shambles. And just think about it. Think about it. Just think about it in your own life. If you have ever have gotten some sort of a, even a small windfall, what does it do to you? What does it do to you, Jesse? Well, 
I have a lot of things to say about that. Okay. But, um, <laughs> uh, I remember about this particularly when I think it was Don Bunting who was talking about why gambling, he felt gambling was so wrong. It wasn't the gambling, it was getting something for nothing that totally turns your world upside down. He's like, that's not the way that things are supposed to work. And yeah. when they do work like that, it might feel right, but it's not right. Yeah. And so it, getting a lot for nothing can really mess with your perspective and your life and all of that yeah. stuff. So. Absolutely. Thanks for that. Yes? Well, too, what we're talking about, Solomon, he says, you know, I did this and I did that. Did he really ever work a day in his life? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. he had his servants to it. Yeah. And he had his concubines, and he had this yeah. and that and that. Um, you know, he, he made a good decision on what to ask for, but after that, did he ever work? Right. You know, right. And did that help skew his perspective on what he thought he needed to try? Right. And it seems here, too, that this was this was somewhat consuming. And... If you've got a little money to spend, wow, what am I going to spend it on? And you think, and you think, and you think, and you wonder, and you daydream, and before you know it, you've been consumed with that. Think if you had that kind of extra money, like Solomon, or this Powerball winner. It's going to be consuming. It's going to be so negative and detrimental. Yet, that's not what the world wants you to believe. Just, just one other thought, too, if you think about it when we read this. It <coughs> seems that during this discourse, there's something uh, missing, and it's God. It is. <coughs> In all his wisdom, he forgot God and pursued everything else, and none of what he received or could do for himself pleased him. <coughs> Without God, nothing has any value. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Proverbs 4, verses 7 and 8. Proverbs 4, verses 7. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that, Micah. Yes, let's stay in Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Ella, you want to read this for us, please? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, just a really short verses 7 and 8. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, that there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of, of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Someone entitled, one of, the, one of the Bible translations I looked at entitled this section, The Loneliness of Wealth. And again, <clears throat> That's not usually the first thing that comes to mind when you think of somebody with great wealth. Somebody like Solomon, uh, who had all of this at his disposal. And yet, I think that's what we see here. Um, all that they had was, was, was this wealth. And, and there was no contentment. And why? Why am I toiling? Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? because they were all consumed with money and stuff. Yeah. The misery it's, of the miser. The, good, good. The misery of the miser. I like that. Yeah, I like that, that. It seems like here even it's not necessarily money, it's work. Okay. 
he's not even, it seems like it's not even taking a break to spend it, just get down. Yeah. <coughs> Uh, and that might be a commendable attitude when you've got a wife and ten kids and uh, an elderly mother and, and all of this. When you have none of that, it's like, and, I mean, if you're working towards a goal, yeah. but there seems to be none. Yeah. But again, it's good to have goals, <coughs> good to have plans. Even better to have eternal goals and eternal plans. <clears throat> and to see the priority of, of one over the other. Ecclesiastes 5. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 5, verses 10 through 20. 10 through 20. Heather, would you read? <clears throat> he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what is the advantage to their owners except to look on? The sleep of the working man is pleasant, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich does not allow him to sleep. There is a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun, riches being hoarded by their owners to his hurt. When those riches were lost through a bad investment, and he has fathered a son, then there was nothing to support him. And as he came naked from his mother's womb, so will he return as he came, he will take nothing from the fruit of his labor and he can, that he can carry in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Exactly as a man is born, thus will he die. So what is the advantage to him who toils for the wind? Throughout his life, he also eats in darkness with great vexation, sickness, and anger. Here is what I have seen to be good and fitting. To eat, to drink, and to enjoy oneself in all one's labor in which he toils under the sun during the, during the few years of his life which God has given him. For this is his reward. Furthermore, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has also empowered him to eat from them and to receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. For he will not often consider the years of his life because God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart. We may not get past this sex, this text. Uh, wow, there's so much here. Um, again, someone uh, entitled this section, The Realities of Wealth. The realities of wealth. Um, verse 10 reminds us of what? What is, what is one of the realities about money? It's never enough. Never enough. It will not satisfy. If we, if, we, if we walked out of here today with one thing that we never forgot and we, we believed with all of our heart, this would be it. Money does not satisfy. There is never enough. Money does pay the mortgage. It does pay your utilities, car loan, and etc. That is also a reality and a truth, but it does not satisfy. And uh, uh, somebody described it like drinking salt water to quench your thirst. The pursuit of more and more money. I'm so thirsty. Give me some more of that salt water. Until it just it consumes you. The more you have, the more you want. What else do you see here that you would want to comment on? I got lots of ideas on this text. <laughs> As I say, verse 12, sort of like the first part of it, 
The sleep of the working man is pleasant whether he eats little or much. It's just when you actually go out and do something and at the end of the day you're tired but you've accomplished something. Yeah. It's it really is very nice. I mean a lot it's of satisfying. A lot of work that I have done has been more in an <clears throat> office setting or in you know, indoors there's not a lot of sweat involved, okay? Okay. Just, just saying. Yeah. Um but whenever there is something that I would do that is, you know, working outside with my hands and doing actual labor, it is it is a little bit different. And Agreed. Yeah. And yet when you've spent the entire day doing nothing, you look back on it and what do you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Man, what a waste. What, what did I do all day long? Yeah. Jesse. Um, you know, it's interesting to see him, like, be able to get all of those scenarios perfectly with the right amount of money, the right planning, all of that stuff, but you still cannot escape the sadness, the grief, the annoyance of life, right? Like, yeah. no matter how much all of those things are put into place, you you still can't escape. And so I, it's interesting that our society is so bent on money, but really just happiness. Mm. I should never be uncomfortable. I should never be sad. I should never be <coughs> no matter what you do. That's, those are realities of life. So yeah. I like that tagline, you know, the reality of the things that you still have to yeah. deal with. Yeah. People that he may have had friends that he saw change because of his wealth. Yeah. Right? And they they weren't so genuine anymore. Right. Like that. Yeah, that's a really good point there in verse 11. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. <laughs> uh, the more we have, uh, the more friends we have. Come into money quickly and you'll be amazed at how many friends you have. How many long-lost relatives. Yeah. And verse 12, you know, the second part of that, the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him to sleep. The more we have, the more we worry. You just, or you're just consumed. What else? What about um, 13? The more we have, what else is true? It doesn't seem like it would be this way. I mean, you hear about, on a fairly regular basis, you find out that someone who has literally been, been eating dog food, they've got like a million dollars in the bank and they're afraid to spend it because they want to make sure they have enough if yeah. they need it. Yeah. And they're not even covering, I mean, people coming into the bank, some people, <clears throat> they spend money like you think they've got a lot and there are others <clears throat> who... You, you pull up their bank balance and even though you're not supposed to react, you go, and, and it's like, okay, and you only need 20 bucks. Mark, okay. yeah. uh, now I see how you, you know. The more we have, the more we hoard. Yes. And verse 15, the more we have, what else is true? The more we leave behind. The more we leave behind. Yeah. Again, I've heard this statement uh, made. I want to get rich so that I can help God. Or I can help God's people. And 
I think sometimes that is nothing more than using God as an excuse for my greed. We want to find an, some something to cloak uh, my uh, desires, and we put that kind of a, a label on it. But verse 19, where is satisfaction found? In our blessings. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and in enjoying those blessings. Not wanting more. Not being consumed with them. But, oh, you've blessed me? I'm going to enjoy those. And I'm going to focus on the giver. I'm going to focus on the giver. Shouldn't... Again... I think the temptation is, I have more, I'm all about me. What am I going to do with this? The I, I, I was mentioned. And yet, I get more, I have more, I've been blessed with more. Wow, what a great God. Jesse. It's not just um, that God is the giver of those blessings, he's giver of the ability to enjoy. So, right, like all, even the ability to eat of, of your profit <laughs> comes from God and to enjoy that. Yeah, well. yeah, very good. Karen. I really like the end of 19 where my version says, to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is a, the gift of God. To accept ah. my lot, knowing that Whatever I have, it's because God has given it to me and He saw fit that this is enough for me. Nice. And that I can rejoice in working hard and accepting, you know, where I'm at. Because uh-huh. that's, I'm acknowledging God in that. That is good. I like that. Ryan. Uh, she, she says something similar, much better. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like that. To accept their lot and be happy in their toil. This is a gift of God. Thank you, Bob. If we think about it, and I think it's implied here in this reading, is money, riches, things, none of the things that we've been talking about today actually address the human condition in that we are eternal beings, but we are temporal. And there's a reconciliation that's going to take place at the end of that. Money doesn't do that. God does that. He has done that. And therefore, when you deal with that, nothing else matters. Riches, riches, wealth, or poverty, because you're at peace. Uh, because what's important is addressed. Amen. There was some uh, religious personage in the Middle Ages that I read about. And when he started as a priest or whatever, he got let's say, 20 coins for his yearly income. He spent 10 of it to actually support himself, and 10 of it he gave away. Years later, he was making 50 coins. He spent 10 of it to live on, and 40 he gave away. And, I mean, and it went on that, you know, he still lived on the same small amount, and all of that excess... He didn't keep it for himself. He didn't think yeah. of it as his own. He was like, okay, that's, I'll, I'll give that away to this guy, you know, the crippled guy on the corner or the, the, the widow at the market or this random whoever. I've got what I need. Yeah. 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 Why do I need more? And, I mean, there's, 
I'm not sure how, how that works with inflation, but... Um. <laughs> I think the version of that story I read at one point, he actually did use just a tad bit more for yeah. himself, but it was yeah. so meager. Yeah, yeah. It, certainly as a percentage, yeah. it was like nothing. Yeah. Like nothing. He, he had benefited from the wisdom of Solomon. Yeah, yeah, and put it, and put it into practice. Well, we know, we know the conclusion, but chapter, uh, chapter 12, verses uh, 13 and 14, the conclusion when all has been heard is, fear God, fear God and keep His commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, whether it is uh, everything to act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So, uh, we, we've talked about this, but you know, of, of all the, that we can read in Ecclesiastes, we're reminded of God is the giver. God is the one that is in control. Life is uncertain, and uh, and so we we need to to live a purposeful life that uh, seeks to please God. That uh, that brings us closer to God. Uh, he is the sovereign one. Um, next class, we are uh, going to focus on the uh, parable of the talents. And that's recorded in uh, both Matthew and in Luke. And I will be sending out an assignment for that uh, no later than tomorrow. But I'll ask you to read over those and uh, draw some conclusions, answer some questions so that we can uh, have a fruitful uh, continuing discussion on being good stewards. Thank you all.